So this has been a hard week for the human family. And I've heard uh, from many folks in Bloom that they just are looking forward to being here in this room. Um, people who share faith, share life. Um, I know there's many of us who could be here today. People are sick and you're still here. Uh, if you're watching, you're still present with us spiritually. So let's just take a moment to uh, recognize and be grateful for the fact that we're all together. Here, we showed up, and we're expecting the Spirit to move in and through us, to draw us to beauty, to life. So Spirit of God, would you come? Would you come? Breathe in together your life. We breathe out, we trust you. Breathe in the reality of your goodness, your presence. Breathe out, put every sorrow into your hands. Remember those who weep, those who suffer this day and this night, wherever they may be. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. You have a seat. So we're in our commitment series, and a commitment that we're talking through today is service. And I do, um, you know, we've had BBC on pretty much in that background all week. Uh, I'm sure that we are all taken aback by the degree of violence and hatred that we've seen. It feels like, how are we capable of this? And um, I will confess, I mean, I haven't written down anything, and um, it felt a little odd to be speaking about our commitments um, in our little life, when we've seen more than ever that we're grafted into the life of the human family, that uh, reading through the prayer of Jesus, the eternal divine reality is that we have been made one. As Paul talks about in his theology of the body, there is no Jew, Gentile, slave, free, male, female. The only thing that identifies us in Christ is that we're loved, that we belong, that we're a part of this body. And so how does the body respond when the human family is in such trauma? Um, you can play the, to me, completely uninspired game of taking sides, of having opinions about what's going on in our world, of uh, justifying this or that. But I think that what we're seeing is that people are in trauma. Whole people groups are still in trauma. I'm a trauma therapist, that's why I'm saying this, but um, 
it's unpredictable. It's an unpredictable place to be. And so, bubbling to the surface now, we see the hatred, the divisiveness, the rage, the fear, the protectiveness, the offense. We're seeing all of it. And it can be too much to take in. And for many of us, it feels like, didn't we just go through another catastrophe? Like, it just feels like there's one after the other. And here we are. Here we are. So how does the human family, how does the body of Christ respond? One, I think that we listen to Paul when he talks about this is kind of what it means to be human, this is what it means to be seen and loved by Christ, is that you're not an organization. You're not a movement on this earth. You're a body. And you need each other. And even the parts that you don't think you need, you need. And there is no more important part. There is no more important person. There is no more important calling. It's you are one. We listen to what Paul writes to the church in times of deep, deep divisiveness, persecution, slaughter. How do you respond to this? By living into the eternal reality that you have been made one in Christ, by the Spirit. Can you hear that? There's no distinguishing factor to any of us except that we are a part of a body. You're all seen, we're all known, we're all needed. It's one of the most holy, human, slash, sacred things that we can do is to come back to the basics and just see each other. Look around the room. To truly see the other, not as separate, but as part of the body. We have been made one. I've said it before, that is the gospel, that is the hope, that is life in a divided and fearful and hurting world. The gospel is that you are seen, you are known, you belong. You have been made one. Not only with each other, but with Christ through the Spirit. That's why Jesus says things like, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. David, when speaking about this reality, says, where could I go from your presence? I could go to heaven I could go to hell, and you'll be there. You'll feed me, you'll tend to me. Paul, again, talking about this reality in the body. And the prayer of Jesus was not, may they know that they are right. May they always prevail. May they always have what they need. Whatever you hear or have heard, No, it's may they be one. Because when they're one, those who feel like Dulcie was talking about last week, those who feel left out and not apart, 
that they're just a collection of cells alive for a moment, then back to dust, estranged, fearful. Those who feel like they're not a part, they'll see this body. They'll see the love in this body and they'll feel it being extended to them. They'll be drawn in. That's the gospel. Can we step back into that this morning together? Can we feel that? With every fiber of our being, this is where we allow the Holy Spirit to do the work that we can't do. We just simply say, Holy Spirit, come. Fill me. There is no separate, there is no distance. No matter what the world says, no matter what systems say, no matter what laws say, there is no separateness in Christ. When we talk about service, sometimes we think it's something that we do to others. There's kind of the us and them dynamic. But I'd propose that if we are the body, then service is the free delivery of nutrients throughout the body. Service is the blood. It's the energy between us that makes sure that every single part of the body, every person is seen and fed and nourished, right? It's this divine ability to provide nourishment to every part. That's service. Anti-service is being a block to that, is denying different parts of the body what it needs. We could say that anti-service is a blood clot. And it's not the way that we're meant to be. It's not how we're designed to be as a body and as a people. But service is what happens when the free flow of nutrients is allowed to happen within the body, between every person. That's service. And there is no small service. There is no small act. Every single act, if you heard anything from what Paul is writing the church, It should be that there is no small part and there's no small act of service. Every time we see someone else in need, we extend, whether it be a cup of coffee or whether it be paying their rent or providing housing or sending money to people we've never met so that they can have that which we have, that is the free flow of nutrients throughout the body. I would say throughout the human family. So there is no them and us right? There's not anything that we are doing to the world. We're a part of the human family. And so we serve freely. We hear that again echoed through scripture. Freely you have been given, so freely give, right? There's no clots, there's no blockage in the body of Christ and in the human family. Let's see what I was going to say, let's see what Bloom says about this, but that's a silly thing to say. Let's see what we've written about this one time. <laughs> Each person called to friendship with Christ is also commissioned to a life of service. Our gifts, your gifts, your talents, your energies are to be used for the good of others, both in the church and in the world, in the body of Christ, in the human family. 
Within this life of service, Christianity calls us to a particular focus on the poor, the overlooked, the marginalized, and the oppressed. Why? What did Paul say? That every part matters. And if there's a part of the body, if there's a part of the human family that needs something, especially, that's where we turn our attention to those parts, to those people. That's why service tends to flow to where the need is, right? It's just body theology, right? It's, it's simple. It's not because we think that we're better or because we get a pat on the back. I mean, Jesus talked against people that would do that. Like they would kind of like tell everybody, like the religious leaders, they'd be like, I am now feeding this person. You know, they would declare it. That's awkward. But that's what they would do. Jesus says, do it in a way that like your left hand doesn't even know what your right hand is doing. Because it's just who you are. It's who you are. And the body protects and nourishes those parts which need nourishing. That's what it is. People are not a burden. Even in this country, we talk about certain people like they're a burden. They're a weight on the system. They're not allowed. And sadly, it's done many times by the evangelical church. If you actually want Christ to define your immigration system, your social policy, like if that's really what we want, a Christian-defined system, then it's going to take a lot out of us who have what we need. And I don't want to assume that. Maybe you're here and you don't have what you need. But it's going to take a lot out of those who do if we actually want to model ourselves after Christ and what he's talking about and what Paul's saying. Are we clear on that? Nutrients flow to those in need. It's just how it is. And who's in need? It changes. There's times in your life probably that you were deeply in need. Maybe you're not now. You know what? You will be again. Either financially, emotionally, physically, you will be in need. And it comes like that. So the invitation for us to bloom is to actually be what Jesus is talking about, to be a body. Those who are in need, the parts in need, are given what they need. So let's continue to read. So we are committed. That's a commitment for us to a life of creative and courageous service wherever God places us. That the light of God's kingdom would shine in the darkness. That's why it's a commitment for us. That if we don't serve each other, if we don't serve the body, if we don't serve the human family, then what will happen? Hearts will wither and die. And people will. How does service affect What's going on in our world? I love that line, creative and courageous service. Because that invites us into a place with the Spirit that we can just say, Spirit of God, what do I do? 
that doesn't mean posting something on social media or getting an opinion or a position. You know, that is just, that's a mess. I know you know that. People are arguing about who's right. This is one of the few times I can agree with Paul to say we're all wrong. All of us. And we need Christ. We need illumination. We need light, right? So in that space, the invitation for us, Bloom, is to say creatively, courageously, Spirit of God, what would you have me do? How do I do this? How do I serve? What does it mean to serve? What does it mean to be drawn in to the pain of the human family? Freely offering that which I have, that which I've been given, the fullness of who I am. Does that sound like something that's doable? And for others of us, there's just the, let's be honest, it's been a really shitty few years. It's overwhelming. And if you're in that place, it's having the, the courage to say, I just feel overwhelmed and I need, I can't process this. And I need nutrients. I need to be served. Like, I, I feel it. And maybe one day I'll get to a place where I can be of more use, whatever that means. But right now, I just need someone to sit with me whatever it is, when we practice that, see how different that is than us just saying, we're going to go, and there's nothing wrong with this, but like we're going to go make lunches for these people on Tuesday, right? That's kind of how we've been thinking about it in our kind of in organizational, institutional, evangelical framework, right? And that's a good thing to do. But service is so much more than that. It's us having the courage, having the creativity, having the humility and the brokenness to stand up and say, I need help. Or I see that you need help, and I want to, I want to be a free-flowing artery in the body of Christ, right? We look at the human family, and we say the human family is in pain and immense loss. How, how, do we, how do we direct nutrients? How do we direct love and care to those places? It's a hard balance. And I don't, I don't know if I'm helping or not. I'm just trying to open our eyes a little bit to what the Spirit is doing among us, who you really are. So take all this, I'm saying this with as much humility as I can. We had the artist night. In the middle of all this mess, we had this artist night. Now, I was kind of like, should we still be doing this? Should we still be like talking about paintings and whatever y'all talk about? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> should, we still, should we still be doing, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, shouldn't we like be doing something else? It reminded me of this, all of a sudden I got this verse. I'm going to put it up on the screen. This is really simple thing that Jesus said to his followers in the midst 
of massive tragedy. I mean, he's going to die. There's oppression. There's everything that we're living through. They're living through. And he said this to them. He said, you are the light of the world, the city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then put it, puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives out light to everyone in the house. So in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. In the midst of darkness, we hold out light, beauty, sacrament, restoration. We hold out what we've seen to be true in the midst of every place of despair and hopelessness and death. We're not alone. There is a light. So in like one hour, I was like, oh, we should totally be doing the artist thing. Right? Because that's how the church responds also. That's how the church responds to tragedy. Because we're this place in society. We don't get caught up. and That's why we can't get caught up in evangelical politics or sides or grandstanding. You know, because that distracts from our true purposes in the middle of this city. To call people, there is beauty. Still, there is still light and darkness. Are you with me on that? Meals, fellowship, creativity, it matters deeply, especially in times when we're afraid, when the human family is hurting so deeply. We hold out light. This is beauty, and all are invited in. And we don't claim to own it or understand it fully, but there is a light that has been present in our darkness and is present in this darkness still. So we had it. I just want to close by this, with this. In the coming weeks, perhaps develop a practice of what Jesus recommended. Go into your closet, into the secret place physically, and pray. Perhaps that prayer partly is Help me, Spirit of God, to see the reality of who I am. That somehow, we are all of us one. And help me to be a light. It's amazing what happens when we ask the things in humility. Jesus even said, every time and any time we ask, it will be granted. The Spirit of God, fill your life, your mind your soul, your body. You would be a light. Let us serve one another as we journey forward. Every part, every person seen, known, loved, provided for. It's who you really are. It's who we are, not only to each other, but in this world. In this world that we live in.
where it feels so hard. It's who we are still. So why don't we take a moment to do that together? Let's do in the silence. Spirit of God. Spirit of God, fill us. Fill us, Spirit of God. Make us one. Make us a light. This is our prayer in Jesus' name.